1: Yo, check this out from Canty and Carlin.
0: What is going on? Happy Monday afternoon to you and yours. You are listening to Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin and Nick Ferdell sitting in for the guys this afternoon, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. First round of the men's. NCAA tournament first and second rounds are in the books. The women's tournament concludes tonight with the round of 32. Plenty of action coming your way on ESPN. We will be breaking that all down right here on Canny and Carlin. Some college basketball news to get into off the top. Former Iona coach Rick Patino has agreed to a six-year deal to become St. John's coach. The rumors for this, Nick, started swirling before the NCAA tournament began. Patino and his Iona Gales lost at the hand of the U.S. UConn Huskies in the first round of the tournament, but it felt like this was only a matter of time before Rick Pitino was on to bigger and better things. He said last week he wants to coach until he's 80. Well, this is the opportunity and the path he's going to have to do just that.
1: Courtney. He also said he was never going to leave Iota.
0: (laughs) He did say that too. That was a few years ago. So you never know
1: what to expect with Pitino. Although what you do know after all these years is just because he says one thing, usually something else happens. It figures that St. John's, who has been irrelevant for a while now, would take a swing with Patino, who has had success in New York, who knows all about marquee programs or the rebuild that comes with building a team back into a marquee program. But the whole Patino situation since Louis- leaving Louisville and all the stuff that came out, it just uh, it makes me want to go – just take a shower every time I I see his name pop up in the next coaching search, or in this case, the next job. Courtney, this guy's a Hall of Fame coach. We know what he can do as a coach with uh, young basketball players. But man, oh man, I, after everything that has come out through time uh, in his past and and what he's done and what he hasn't done at some of these programs. Uh, Any team that is trying to get into business with Rick Pitino, I wish you luck because there is a pattern that has come out time and time again at this point in his career.
0: The Big East Conference with two moves on Monday. The Iona News broken by Adrian Wojnarowski and Pete Thamel that Iona coach Rick Pitino has agreed to a six-year deal to become the next head coach at St. John's. He is informing his Gales team in a meeting on Monday afternoon that he is leaving the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference to go to the Big East, elsewhere in the Big East. Pete Thamel and Jeff Borzella reporting that Ed Cooley has accepted Georgetown's offer to become its next head coach coach. Providence announced the departure of Ed Cooley on Monday, and they will begin searching for a new head coach. A team that's not searching for any newness at the quarterback position is the Miami Dolphins. They have officially exercised the fifth-year option on quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. This is news that we were expecting uh, coming down the pipeline for a while, and it is official. The team announced it on Monday. That option is a $23.17 million salary that is fully guaranteed for his fifth season under contract. He was a former first-round pick in 2020. So they've locked up Tua now for the next two seasons. This is a commitment to a player who came off a really good season, all things considered. And considering he was in the concussion protocol two times last year, Nick, to where he's at right now, this feels like this is the reassurance that we were waiting to see if the Dolphins would actually follow through on. It's one thing to say to us, our guy, we believe in him. We don't think that the concussions will be an issue going forward. It's another thing to back that with fully guaranteed money on this fifth year option.
1: You hit it perfectly, Courtney, because when you hear, and Jeff Darlington, I believe, a couple weeks ago was like, ah, the Dolphins are looking at at Tom Brady or anybody else, too, is their guy. When you see the money come through, that takes it to a whole different place. If you're the Dolphins, not only is this good for your organization, it's good for the confidence of your young quarterback because now you have shown him, hey, we believe in you. You are our guy. We know what you can do. The concern, of course, that everybody's going to have is what happens the next time a concussion were to occur. Football is a brutal game. The injuries, uh, it's not a matter of if, it's when. And with the highly publicized nature of all the things that two has gone through the last couple of years, that is the worry. And, and Courtney, I, you live this on a day-to-day basis. The Dolphins backed it up with the financial guarantee today. But the question becomes, well, what happens next season If and when, hopefully not, but if it does happen, if Tua goes down, does that alter not just the course of everything for the Dolphins, but does that change his career given how many times he's already had a high-profile concussion?
0: I mean, it could end up changing – what he does for a living yeah and you know we had that question that was quickly squashed during the offseason is Tua going to consider retirement I remember Marcel Louis Jacques ESPN NFL Nation Miami Dolphins reporter had been on multiple shows throughout the offseason saying that that's not going to happen that is not what he intends to do but It had to be asked. It was a question that was very valid given the circumstances of the 2023 season for Tua, where this is a Dolphins team that gets into the playoffs as a wild card team, but had dealt with its fair share of injuries. I mean, what Tua did in year three, making the jump where he threw for 3,500 yards, 25 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and completed nearly 65% of his passes, when he's healthy. The Dolphins believe that he is their guy. He can be their long-term option. It's very clear that the additions they made last free agency, whether it was Teron Armstead up front, protecting him at the left tackle spot, whether it's Tyreek Hill, the player that they traded for with Kansas City, giving Tua all of the support and resources he needs, Nick, to bring him bring his game to the next level. He did that, but being able to stay on the field and be play a fully healthy season play 17 games, get into the playoffs, be the quarterback that's leading your team in the playoffs. We have yet to see that happen. So I think at this point, the Dolphins are banking on this not being an issue anymore. And Marcel Louis-Jacques, ESPN NFL Nation, Miami Dolphins reporter who's on, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, discussing the fact that the Dolphins don't think these concussions are going to be a long-term issue.
1: I don't think it's worth it's worth worrying about. We've spoken to Chris Greer Numerous times he has said that they don't think he's at any higher risk of sustaining a concussion moving forward just because of the two he had this season. Uh, and then they, they put their money where the mouth is. They picked up his fifth year option and locks him into $23 million in 2024. So uh, they, they, they are fully behind him. He's one of those guys. I think that, you know, it's not that he needs to be coddled or, or he's soft, but I think he needs to see your support. Uh, I think just telling him isn't enough, and that is all Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer have done since they linked up last year. I think there's reason to believe Tua turns in another high-level season, and we're going to see him grow, and not just him, we're going to see this coaching staff grow as well.
0: Another high-level season means that Tua would be in line to get paid. This is a short-term commitment, but not, you know, certainly a significant one. Twenty-three point one seven million dollars on the fifth-year option is nothing to, to 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 scoff at because it's a fully guaranteed salary for him two years from now, and if he plays well in year four, this becomes the prove-it year for Tua, where he can lock himself into a long-term deal with this team, if he can stay healthy, if he can perform the way he did in 2023, and this team, collectively, this team can grow in the direction where they get back into the playoffs and get out of the first round, out of the wild card round where they ended their season this past year. We're going to have more with Marcel Louis-Jacques coming up. 5.30 p.m. Eastern time, breaking down all things Dolphins, a team that was very active ahead of free agency, the trade of Jalen Ramsey, the cornerback from the Los Angeles Rams to the Miami Dolphins, among the many moves that this team has made over the last couple of weeks. Canny and Carlin on ESPN Radio is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. All right, so with that said, free agency now has been in the books for a week The open negotiating period, legal tampering, whatever phrase you want to use for it, that was last Monday where teams could start negotiating with pending free agents. And there were a lot of moves that were made. The team that I cover for ESPN's NFL Nation, the Chicago Bears, were a very active team last week. But now that the dust has settled, Nick, and we're a week into this, There are a couple teams that are still signing players and making some really good value signings as of late. I think about the Detroit Lions yesterday picking up uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who was with the Philadelphia Eagles. He quickly found that he did not have a place on that roster after the James Bradbury deal. They end up keeping Darius Slay in the mix. So the Lions are a team as we continue on in free agency gearing up towards the NFL draft that have been active in the right way and with all the smoke right now that's going on in the NFC North. Aaron Rodgers very likely to not be playing in Green Bay next year and moving out of the division. It feels like the Lions are capitalizing on this thing at the right time and Frank a team that we typically don't talk about in this respect, but they deserve their credit for being as active and aggressive as they are.
1: Courtney, when is the last time that in all seriousness, somebody said the Lions are capitalizing on things at the right time? I mean, the turnaround that this team has undergone uh, over the last season, but certainly with Dan Campbell in the... The mojo that he's brought to that group, they actually believe that not only can they win, but they can start advancing. And when you start to have that belief around the league and you're not viewed as this team that can never figure things out and can't get right. And you start making the right moves in free agency and you back that up by putting together a a season that people look at and go, all right, the building blocks are there. That's when everything can start to change. So I'm not buying that the Lions can start running through the the NFC all the way. But I am buying that everything that they've done looks like a team and an organization that finally has things in working order for the future.
0: You're not buying it. ESPN football analyst Dan Orlovsky has something else to say. Going even a step further, Lions aren't just one of the best teams now, in his eyes, in the NFC North. They can do this in the NFC.
2: Detroit is sitting there right now with the additions that they made in the first week and the picks that they have. And if Brad Holmes, their general manager, hits on these picks like he did in his first couple drafts, Detroit not only is going to be in the conversation to win the NFC North, they're going to be in the conversation to win the NFC.
0: Bold claim, but one that's actually not unrealistic. And, And to Dan's point, when we take a look at what this team did last year, so like Brad Holmes... Dan Campbell, they've been linked up since 2021. So they've had time to execute this plan. We're two years into it. Last year, they used their first-round pick on Aiden Hutchinson, one of their first round picks on him. He's an immediate impact player. And then they also use a first round pick in trading with the Minnesota Vikings to get Jamison Williams in the top uh, fifteen. And while Williams was dealing with the knee injury and the ACL tear that we knew it was going to take some time for him to recover from, that's the pick for the long term. That sets your offense up to where Detroit was a game away that wasn't even their fault because Seattle had won in week 18, Detroit was in position to play for a playoff spot. So when you take all of that in context of what that meant last season to where they are now and how active they've been in free agency, this C.J. Gardner-Johnson deal that they got yesterday, and honestly a very fair deal, one year worth up to $8 million, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, it's it's smart – bargain bin sort of moves like this that can really elevate your team to another level.
1: It's a move that good teams make, Courtney, that smart teams make. And good and smart are not two words that are usually used for the Detroit Lions over the last couple decades. They have not had the building blocks that you want to see from a team that can win consistently and they can keep it going. But To Orlowski's point, not only is the hope there and now the hype is there, as you talk to people across the NFL, do they believe that Detroit is ready to make the leap that people like Dan think they can
0: They believe that this is more than just a team that's turned the corner. It's a team that did that and did that starting more than a year ago with some of the additions that they made, obviously getting Jared Goff via the trade, making something out of Jared Goff. It wasn't just they're sending Matthew Stafford to the Rams for draft picks, and they'll eventually use those draft picks on something. They got a quarterback who has shown in that offense in Detroit he's more than just a viable option. It's why I don't think Detroit's going to get involved in any quarterback chatter in the draft. They don't need to right now because that move... panned out and has panned out so far now where they go from here it's capitalizing on the NFC North at a time where there's you know we're undergoing a lot of change here for the three other teams not named Green Bay which it looks like they are fully headed towards you know uncharted waters where I don't know if you call it a rebuild because they are still going to have a lot of those same pieces in place but they are going to have a team that looks vastly different If Aaron Rodgers, Mm -hmm. assuming everything goes through and eventually the Green Bay Packers, Jets, whoever blinks first, something gets done where he's not on this roster, the tides are changing. So if you're a team like Detroit and you've got something that you can build upon year after year, I mean, this is a team that spent five years building its offensive line. Did it take a long time? Yes, but they still have one of the better pass blocking units in the NFL like that methodical approach is the approach that's worked for them and they hope that some of the additions that they made in free agency and how aggressive they are or maybe aren't in the draft. That's going to determine where they can go from here. Now, on the flip side of this, because the news of the weekend, along with uh, several other things, the Cowboys trading for Brandon Cooks, Laramie Tunzel, Houston Texans, left tackle, getting a big extension to stay with the Texans for another couple years. The C.J. Gardner-Johnson news of him not re-signing with the Philadelphia Eagles in free agency and some of the addition, the subtractions rather that the Eagles have had from the roster over the last week, that leads you to believe that they still do have a lot of work to do during the offseason. And Orlovsky was back on Sports Center at 12 p.m. this afternoon talking about what the Eagles can do to continue to move forward following their run towards the Super Bowl.
2: You've got to be a little bit reserved when it comes to Philadelphia with this. They are going to be so dependent on young players next year. Because of some of the losses, now having Jalen, their offense will be pretty much intact. They lost Miles Sanders, their tailback. And when you have a really talented roster, teams are going to go and and get some of those players. That is true. But the loss of Hargrave to San Francisco matters. And the loss of their linebackers matters. So you're going to look at a football team that is the defending NFC champion be incredibly dependent on young players to play really well. Jordan Davis, who they took last year, has got to play really well at defensive tackle. Nicobe Dean, who they took at linebacker last year, has got to play really well at linebacker. And then their two first-round picks this year are going to have to be somewhere in that secondary after losing Gardner-Johnson. That's going to be, and maybe at linebacker, that's going to be very much so asked to play high-level football.
0: You don't typically see that with teams that have been in the Super Bowl, having to rely on such young talent right away the following year. But this is what happens in the salary cap era. They're going to be trying to pay Jalen Hurts this off season. They had to make some moves from a business perspective to keep their cap situation, uh, you know, in the black. And obviously, you know, Javon Hargrave signing the, like that massive deal. Last week, the biggest deal that we saw for any interior defensive lineman, that was expected. They opted not to keep him, but to Dan's point, they do have draft picks at number 10. That's the pick that they got from New Orleans last year when they reworked the draft order a couple weeks after free agency, and then they'll be picking again at 30. So I think the Eagles are in a spot where – there were some people waiting with bated breath on, what are you doing? Why are all these big pieces leaving in free agency? But sometimes that's the way business is done, where you can find a team then, another you know, the partner, as in the Detroit Lions, even though that wasn't a trade, they were just there sitting, waiting with the amount of resources available and the, and the ability to add to their roster to continue to build and hopefully, for their sake, make some noise in the NFC.
1: And, Courtney, this goes to Dan's point. You have to trust – your front office and the moves that they make going into the draft and the development that happens in that first or second year once you get a player into your program. In so many ways, listening to Orlovsky there, it reminds me from an NBA standpoint of what the Warriors had to do last summer. They won the title, but all those veteran reserves, the Otto Porters and uh, the Gary Payton II and that whole group that helped push them through They got money elsewhere, and they landed in other places, and it became up to the Jonathan Kamingas and Moses Moody's and that group that was coming behind them where everybody thought, all right, are they ready for the challenge? So far, that group of reserves that was pegged by the Warriors, it hasn't been. You wonder if the Eagles, with all the change that they went through in the last few weeks, but certainly going into camp moving forward, are going to be able to replicate what they need to get back to the level they were at last season where they almost won the Super Bowl.
0: Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Kern and Nick Friedle sitting in for the guys on this Monday afternoon. Straight ahead, we'll get into what the Eagles can do next, plus the acquisition of Brandon Cooks, putting the Cowboys in the driver's seat in the NFC. Is that right? We'll get into that next. ESPN Radio, ESPN app.
1: This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because
2: it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. Must be 21-plus plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: Houston Texans wide receiver Brandon Cooks was traded to the Dallas Cowboys over the weekend, fortifying the receiving core that went through ups and downs during the 2022 season. We'll see if it's enough for Dak Prescott and company to take the next step this week following year. This is Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Nick Friedle with you on this Monday afternoon. Pleased to welcome in Damian Woody, ESPN NFL analyst. And on the note of Cooks going to the Cowboys, it feels like this would take Dallas out of the conversation for Odell Beckham Jr., who remains a free agent and still unsigned after hosting a workout for scouts a couple of weeks ago, Damian. But what does the move mean? for the Dallas Cowboys in getting Cooks into this receiving core?
3: Yeah, I think, it's a, I think it's a nice piece, nice addition for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, Brandon Cooks is like a walking, you know, in basketball vernacular, a walking bucket. He's like a walking thousand-yard receiver. That's what he's done, uh, I think, I uh, like six out of the last eight years. Uh, so he's a very reliable number two. He also brings a speed element opposite C.D. Lamb, something that they've been lacking on the perimeter um, I also think that Michael Gallup will have a better have a bounce back season, considering um, you know he was coming off the ACL injury last year, and it takes some time. So I really like that addition of Brandon Cooks in that receiving core.
1: Damien Courtney and I opened the show talking about Tua getting his fifth year option picked up. If you believe like the Dolphins do that he can stay healthy and he is at no. Bigger risk of a concussion, given what he's gone through. Do you believe that he can improve to a point where he can lead this Dolphins team eventually to a Super Bowl?
3: Yeah, I mean, listen. When Tua was on the field and healthy last year, Tua was a top-five quarterback. I mean, all the stats and metrics point to that. So the only thing that stopped Tua was it was it was the um, was the concussions, the injuries. And so I think the Miami Dolphins are in a situation where I think they looked at the Daniel Jones situation with the New York Giants where they declined the 50-year option. Daniel Jones goes out there and has a really great year. And now you look at Daniel Jones making, what, $40 million a year? I don't know if Miami wants to be set up in a situation like that. So I think they're thinking, you know what, I would rather, I would rather risk putting, um, exercising a 50-year option then be caught with my pants down and, and Tua goes out and has a great year, and then we're going to be paying a lot more money after that season.
0: We're talking with Damian Woody, ESPN NFL analyst here on Canty and Carlin. We are almost two weeks from the day where the Baltimore Ravens place the non-exclusive franchise tag on quarterback Lamar Jackson. He remains without a matching an offer for that offer sheet, still under contract right now with the Baltimore Ravens. Are you surprised that there hasn't been any team to emerge to match that offer sheet, Damian?
3: Courtney, I am. I mean, think about this. You know, how often are – Carpenter is a 26 year old, you know, former unanimous league MVP. Being available now, granted, Baltimore can match any offer, but the fact is that you know we haven't we haven't heard or it hasn't been reported that any team has at, at minimum reached out to Lamar. Think about that. All of these uh, quarterback needy teams, none of them has yet to reach out to Lamar Jackson to kind of you know get the get the word from the horse's mouth and engages you know, see what his contract situation is. I think that's just crazy. So, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully someone will step up to the plate, but it just doesn't make much sense that you haven't heard any reports from any team in regards to Lamar Lamar Jackson.
1: Damian, there remains a lot of chatter about Odell Beckham Jr. How would you set the market for where he may potentially land here over the next month or so? <laughs>
3: I think the market is setting, setting itself, right? You know, you got the Dallas Cowboys, who had a lot of interest in Odell. They decided to trade for Brandon Cooks, and so okay, you look at the teams that are that are left that that have possibly been linked to Odell. You got the Buffalo Bills; uh, they were linked since last since last season. You got the New York Football Giants. Obviously, they've been making moves uh, with their skill position players. Um, you got the New York Jets. You know, that's a He's a player that, you know, according to Diana Rossini, Aaron Rodgers, that was a player that was on Aaron Rodgers' wish list. So the list is just getting smaller. So that will actually determine his market. We know Odell Beckham Jr. said on Twitter that, you know, 20000000 million isn't what he was, you know, asking for, but $4 million is not, is not going to get it done. So we're going to find out in short order what, what his market really is.
0: Yeah, he had a workout that he hosted in Arizona about a week and a half ago. Some teams sent out scouts, coaches to evaluate Odell and where he is physically coming off of the ACL tear in the Super Bowl in 2022. Enough time has passed, but as of right now, his market remains stagnant. We'll see if that changes in the coming weeks. We're talking with Damian Woody, ESPN NFL analyst, joining Courtney Cronin and Nick Ferdell here on Canty and Carlin. And Nick and I were talking about the Philadelphia Eagles and their their losses are the gain of the San Francisco 49ers with Javon Hargrave CJ Gardner Johnson signing a contract with the Detroit Lions over the weekend do you feel like these losses Damien, are too much for the Eagles to overcome in terms of you know avoiding a Super Bowl hangover this year because it feels like this is a team that still has quite a bit of work to do during the offseason.
3: Yeah, listen, I know everyone, you know, some people will panic out, you know, out here and, and say, oh, what are the Eagles doing? They're losing all these type of players. But you got to understand, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles have one of the best front offices in all of football with Holly Ro- How- Howie Roseman as the GM. He's been one step ahead of the game as far as assembling this roster. And, you know, the one thing I would say is some of the players that the drafted guys at those positions, so for instance, you lose a hard, you know, Hargrave. Well, guess what? David's the first round pick from last year, he, he needs to step up. Okay, you you lose the linebacker um, to the Chicago Bears. Well, guess what? You drafted the Kobe Dean, I believe, in the third round in last year's draft. So they have all these draft picks that they just need to you know step up and step up in a big time way uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles.
0: Damian, great stuff as always. Thanks so much for the time. Oh, thank you. That's ESPN NFL analyst Damian Woody breaking down free agency and more with us here on Canty and Carlin. Straight ahead, switching gears into the NBA. Is Ja Morant's return to the Grizzlies simple or is there more drama to come? We'll discuss next. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
1: This is the Canty and Carlin podcast
3: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
0: Along with Nick Friedle, I'm Courtney Cronin. You are listening to Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. So the suspension from Memphis Grizzlies all-star point guard, Ja Morant, came to an end today. It was an eight-game suspension after an incident at a nightclub out in Colorado where he was seen flashing a gun in an apparent uh, intoxicated state. He was suspended by the NBA, and he was eligible to return today, tonight's game for Memphis against the Dallas Mavericks. But the Grizzlies ruled him out with the intention of consulting with the medical staff before determining his status for the Wednesday game against the Houston Rockets. So we will find that out, whether he will be back if he's going to be on the sideline tonight and just not participating in anything else and whether that's going to carry over to Wednesday. But Nick, this is your wheelhouse. So I'm, you know, I'm curious from your perspective about the way that the league has handled this was, were you expecting more than eight games at the, at the the onset of this? Because I know that we all thought, Hey, the Gilbert arena situation, that was a 50 game situation, a 50 game suspension at the time in 2010. But Eight games here, a you know, he, we, he was reportedly in counseling, a lot of moving parts, but now he's eligible to play.
1: All of it seems really fast to me, Courtney. And, yeah, when the initial news came out, I went, eight games? And and time that he had already essentially served uh, games-wise because everybody kind of went, all right, well, he's taking a, a leave of absence. It was basically a pause when that first round of – uh, the reports came out, and and you kind of went, "All right, well, is he is he going to get help? How do, how does that process look?" And then you saw eight games, and went, "Wow, uh, okay." I, you know, I you, you just hope on a human level that Josh gets the support that he needs. Although when you talk to people, and certainly I'm talking to a lot of my friends around the league uh, who are covering different teams or covering the league in general, and everybody kind of has the same question. It's good that he's getting the support and and he got some counseling, but how much could you really do in such a short amount of time? Uh, But all that is aside now because it feels like Jock could be back out there in a couple days. And, Courtney, to me, the key with Memphis is everybody had built them up going into the season as a team that could push through the West. And I remember Jock's interview with Malik Andrews where he said, I'm good in the West. You tell me, when a situation like this has occurred, when there is such a huge distraction off the floor, and then the star player comes back on the court, even after a week, two weeks of being out, and everything clicks back to normal, and that team goes on and does what everybody thought it could do. That's the part, from a basketball standpoint, that I am flatly not buying. Not that the Grizzlies can't be better with John Morant back, just that... The expectation of winning a title this year, in my mind is gone.
0: Yeah, they were five and three without him during this eight game suspension, and they're still afloat right now, number two spot in the West headed into the postseason, but to act like, you know, everything's hunky dory when he comes back onto the floor it's not that it's not that I'd be worried about like the fit and him like not playing basketball for three weeks. I think that that you know any sort of rust would with someone of his age and, and how good of a player he is that would be quickly knocked off. but did, does the team trust him like that's where my brain goes when I think about the Grizzlies and the five year rookie Max extension that kicks in for him next season and the belief that they have that he can not only be a face of a franchise but the face of you know the NBA. Because we're going through a transition period where the stars like Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Stephen Curry, they're all getting older. Jaws very much is still at the beginning phase of his career. But does Memphis, you know, when, when he goes back, how, how are they going to view him from an internal perspective, knowing the spotlight that this whole thing put on this team the last month or so?
1: Courtney, I think the the short answer there is they don't have another choice. When you make that type of investment in a player, and this goes beyond the NBA, you see it in the NFL with the guaranteed money, but when you see that type of guaranteed cash go to one guy, you have to put all the support around that player to hope that they can turn around whatever uh, the issue is in their personal life in this case and make it so that a team can believe that they can be out there and perform at the same high level. As far as Memphis goes... This is something that is on the organization to do as much as they can to support Jaw moving forward. But, Courtney, you brought up a really intriguing point in all this, and Jaw was supposed to be that next face of the league. And now, once an incident like this happens, if you cannot come back and back it up with a title— I don't see how the league is going to feel comfortable either way with having Ja getting that kind of push behind the scenes as being one of the players they want to put in a spotlight.
0: Yeah, and if any, and you're kidding yourself if you think that the NBA doesn't handpick or at least promote certain faces that they want to represent them. And a move like this and what happened over the last couple of weeks feels like it set Jaw down a path of that he's going to have to redeem himself. That's, you know, going to be a couple years long. We'll see if he ends up getting back onto the court on Wednesday night. Straight ahead, Sweet 16 action next week. Does Alabama have a clear path to the natty?
1: Canty and Carlin, weekdays at 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. You can also listen and watch on the ESPN app.